welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo from different points in New Orleans. How you doing, guys? Hello. Doing okay? Dave, How are Dave, you? Dave always looks around like he's trying to interpret what I was saying. That was kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, oh, well, okay. So we're, we're showing off what we have to drink with tonight. Uh, what What is Fredo getting? uh the rally cap who is that, is that second rally line? cap it's it's a new bake it's a new uh, brewery up in baton rouge okay this is their pale ale they call it it's all baseball theme because baseball season's in full gear now this is their first pitch which is their pale ale it's pretty good and uh Picked up a whole bu- couple of them up uh, five or four. i guess that they'll be sponsoring our next episode of the <laughs> and uh so dave's got the boot from abita and i just i just have jameson so um, hey, look! If Jameson wants to sponsor us. We'll we'll need a flight to uh, Ireland. Then. You know, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Are are you guys uh, are you guys whiskey guys at all? I'm more I of a bourbon fun. guy. Uh, so, but yeah, I like okay. whiskey too. So, how about I call you, Irish whiskey? But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm an Irish whiskey guy. I I mean, I'm a, if it's good whiskey, I'm okay with anything really. But uh, are are you? Do you mix with anything, or is it just just straight. I, that's straight for the most part. I, I don't have a lot, so when I have it, I want to have whiskey. It's it's straight. And usually, it's like uh, St. Pat's uh, St. Patty's Day. It's uh, you know, you gotta have your Guinness and your shot of Jameson. It's just mandatory. See, we have a we have a stormtrooper decanter that is always filled with uh, an Irish whiskey. So um, yeah, I, 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 I can't. I, I will mix if it's bad whiskey. You know. Or if I just, you know, want something a little bit more, you know, uh, lighter, I suppose. But I don't know. Dave, do you mix it all or is it? Uh... Yeah, I, I mix a lot. I like uh, I like it with Coke Zero. Um, but, you know, as long as you throw a little bit of ice in there to kind of release the bouquet, I think you're doing all right. You know, I also love this story my brother had. He was, uh, when he was, <clears throat> pardon me, involved in uh, Nebraska politics, he was in Pardon me, I'm going to cough again. <clears throat> Sorry, you can edit that out. Um, but he was uh, in some politician's office. I don't, I don't even remember the name, so I can't even disguise the name. But anyway, the politician's like uh, pours Brian a, a, a drink, and it's a, a glass of you know whiskey or something, scotch or something, and uh, and uh, Brian says, uh, "Do you, do you have a Coke?" And he goes, "Coke, Coca Cola. Why the hell do you need a Coca Cola for, boy?" He's like, well, you know, for a chaser, he goes, just use your own spit. <laughs> so that was uh, that was uh, my brother's introduction to that. So he had to just drink, you know, straight scotch or whatever it was. So anyway, um, but yeah, if it's if it's good whiskey and it's not meant to be slammed either, everybody. So if it's, if it's bad whiskey, then you slam it. But anyway, this is not what this podcast is about, but it's all right. Um, Tonight is a uh, little bit uh, different. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, deviating from the Star Wars stuff um, because we we teased it last week. We're gonna be talking about the uh, Justice League Snyder Cut, um, kind of what we thought about it and just kind of just stuff about it. Um, but then also we're we're gonna be doing uh, talking about a little bit of Marvel stuff. There's some Marvel news, you know. Like I said, this podcast isn't just about Star Wars. So if you're here just for the Star Wars. Um, I'm sorry. Um, we have, we have one little bit of star Wars. So, um, I guess Fredo, I'll just toss it to you then for that one little bit of star Wars for tonight. 
Okay, before trivia. Yeah, just let's just, since I already said it, uh, it's too late. You no, know, it's all right. So. Yeah, too late. So now, just real quick, because it is today. Happy birthday to Billy D. Williams. Happy, happy He's birthday 80, from all of us from to all you. Of us to we you. wish it was our birthday so we could party too. Hey. Hey. Yeah, no, he's uh, celebrating his 84th uh, uh, birthday today. And I mean, 84th? 84. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he still looks great and he's still active and he's still out there. So well, it's all because of Colt you know, 45. That's right. Does it every That's time, right. baby. Isn't that, wasn't that the tagline? Yeah, something like that. Works every time or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, happy birthday to him and uh, hope for many more to come. Yep. Happy birthday, Lando. Cool. Um, so, yeah. The, okay. So, yeah. So, now we'll jump into trivia. And this is my, my first surprise to you guys. We're going to do Justice League trivia tonight. Um, and it's not even it's not even about the movies. I believe this is like comic book, and uh, you know the cartoons stuff like that. Um, and so I'll even play along because I don't know the answers. You know, um, it's just one of these websites once again. So um, yeah, it's from usefultrivia.com. That sounds reliable, right? All right. So uh, so Dave, let's start with you. Um, which comic book did the Justice League originally appear in? Detective Comics, The Brave and the Bold, Justice League of America, or Action Comics? A lot of these we're just going to be pulling answers out of our cabooses, but you know. I right. think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't have enough of familiarity. Um, action Comics. He says Action Com. Oh my gosh! Did that sound come through? No. Oh darn! I should cast this so you can hear the buzzes. So let me let me do that. I'm gonna cast the screen. This will be fun. Let's see if we get this now. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Dave. No, it was not Action Comics. Um, so I guess do we just are we gonna just keep uh, pressing until we get it? Um, uh, I will go with Justice League of America. All right. So Fredo says Justice League of America. Nope. Did you hear it that time? Yeah. That was fun. All right. Well, I'm gonna say Detective Comics. Is that what you said? Yeah. You said Detective Comics, didn't you? I said Action. All right, Detective. Oh, crap. We're all wrong. The Brave, the brave and, the... and the Bold. What? What is the Brave That's and the Bold? Um, Justice League of America That's made right, it. That's right, First appearance in the Brave and the Bold, number 28, March 1960, battling a giant starfish named Starro. Which, if you saw the trailer for the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's sequel, it's in there. Seriously? Yep. Oh, darn. Yes. All right, so uh, Fredo, we'll start with you on this one. Where was the Justice League's original headquarters? Is it the Hall of Justice, a cave, a satellite, or the Fortress of Solitude? Let's go with a satellite. I don't think they have the Hall of Justice to begin with. I am sorry. Dave, get a pick from either Hall of Justice, a cave, or the Fortress of Solitude. I'm going Fortress of Solitude. Oh my goodness, oh. I am so sorry. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go with with the obvious one i'm gonna say hall of justice you know and i am wrong as well apparently it was in the bat cave no it was in the cave side of a mountain in happy harbor rhode island okay used throughout the silver age the league abandoned it when it became when when they moved to the justice league satellite man are you guys realizing we don't know jack about justice league here okay yeah um, Okay, we won't do all of this sites because there's like three pages of <laughs> trivia. All right, so who was the first hero to decline membership in the Justice League? So this is me. Um, is it Sandman, Phantom Stranger, 
Black Lightning or Metamorpho. And since I don't have any idea who any of these are, I'm just going to go with the Phantom Stranger. I'm wrong. That all sounds right. a dirty term. It kind of does. They all do, actually. They all sound like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you guys are getting us in trouble every week. It's reliable. Is Dirty Sanchez one of these? Or... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dave, is it the Sandman, Black Lightning, or Metamorpho? Black Lightning. I am sorry. All right. So, Fredo, is it Metamorpho or Sandman? Uh, let me go with Sandman. Oh, my gosh. It was Metamorpho. What are the odds? Metamorpho teams up. That just sounds like I'm calling you a mofo. Um, what? What are the odds that all three of us got all three questions wrong? Well, we did spend a whole summer on Marvel, so, you know. Um, teams up with the Justice League to stop an alien menace known as the Unimaginable. When the team offers him membership, he declines, although he later agrees to be a standby member. Okay. it's it's You only pay half the dues, you know. Um, what do you think? We should keep going until he, somebody gets one right. Until somebody gets one right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to get one by six. This, this is going to this is going to be a two parter. All right. So yeah, number six is easy. Well, uh, but anyway. All right. So Dave, what teenager accompanied the Justice League on many of its earliest missions? Was it Jimmy Olsen, Marvin White, Wendy Harris, or Snapper Carr? Uh, you know, I'm familiar with Jimmy, so how about Jimmy? I am sorry, that is wrong. Okay, Fredo, is it Marvin White, Barry's little brother, uh, Wendy <laughs> Mar Harris? No, no, Marvin's, that's his cousin. Marvin, Marvin Barry. <laughs> it's Marvin Barry White, that's what it was. All right, um, Wendy Harris or Snapper Carr? Just to be silly, let's go with Snapper Carr. Is that is that like Derek Carr's dog? Oh my God! No! I decided to just start thinking like somebody in the in the fifties or sixties. Lucas Snapper Carr tagged along on early missions, becoming both the team's mascot and an official member. Snapper, noted for speaking in beatnik dialect and snapping his fingers. Resigned, uh, re resigned in Justice League of America 77 after compromising the location of the team's headquarters. <laughs> That's right, Daddy-O. They're hanging over there. <laughs> <laughs> They're hanging in Bruce Wayne's house. Uh, who gave... <laughs> all right, this is mine. Or is it? No, this is Fredo's. Uh, <laughs> who gave Hal Jordan his power ring? Is it an Egyptian ghost, Superman, a dying alien, or his father? See, I know the answer to this one, so I guess I'll just say it. No, say it. Go. Dying alien. Oh, Fredo I've is the DC guy here. Hal Jordan is no, powering <laughs> and battery lantern by a dying alien named Abin Sur, mm -hmm. whose spaceship crashed on Earth. All right, for everybody out here, here's number six. What is Superman's Kryptonian name? Zorel, <laughs> Kalel, Monel, or Jorel? is Kal-El. I still love the, uh, you know, Kevin Smith talking about this and he's referring to Kal-El, you know, and, and, um, was it, who's the director? Peters. Um, Oh no, you're thinking of the producer, uh, Peter, uh, um, no, his last name's Peters, but it, he said, John Peters, John, John Peters. Peters. He goes, he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Who the Matanki. Was Kal El? Superman's <laughs> Kryptonian name. Crypt. Oh, Krypton. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, okay. So Superman's Kryptonian name Kal El. Uh, Dave, which of the following does Batman not carry in his utility belt? A backup costume, a crayon, shark repellent, or reading glasses? I'm wondering if we're back into the 60s television show here. This is why I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, because he, he actually had shark repellent in the uh, 60s show. Um a backup costume seems a little impractical to me, so I'll go with that. I am sorry. Uh, Fredo, is it a crayon, shark repellent, or reading glasses? I'm going to go silly and go with shark repellent, because I think that's in the movie, not the comics. Okay. All right. Well, I, I've even got a, a, a crayon or reading glasses. I remember seeing a picture of Batman with reading glasses, so I'm going to say a crayon. Oh, it's reading glasses? Seriously? <laughs> He does not carry reading glasses in his utility belt. He probably had LASIK, it says. He does carry shark repellent. Oh, that's in Batman number 117. So actually, that was from... That's way, 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 way back in the day. A crayon from Batman 149 and a backup costume in Batman number 71. Oh, darn. All right. Um, (laughs) And uh, let's see. Who was the first African-American Justice League of America member? Vixen, Black Lightning, John Stewart, or Cyborg? Um, I guess this is mine, huh? I'm going to say Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Nope, I'm wrong. Dave, John Stewart, Black Lightning, or Vixen? Man, I, I'm I'm shell shocked at this point. I've gotten everything wrong. Um, John Stewart. Oh. Are they you know, are they talking about the guy from the Daily Show or no? That's that's the other that's uh, Green Lantern from the Justice League animated show. All right, he well, was the second or third replacement. Uh, right, let's oh, go with Black Lightning. With either Vixen or Black Lightning. You're saying Black Lightning? Yep. These are well, not these Vixen. are not okay, good wow. names, folks. Um, while Marvel Avengers inducted the Black Panther in 1968, the Justice League of America lagged way behind, not introducing his first black member until 1984, when writer Jerry Conway introduced Vixen, a female superhero from Zambezi who adopts the abilities of animals. Boy, this is just sounding really culturally sensitive, isn't it? it? It's not well, the year, 1984. 1984, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Whew. Okay. Well, um, We'll do one last one here. Dave, uh, which Justice League of America member is a shapeshifter? Is it the Phantom Stranger, Red Tornado, Hawkman, or Martian Manhunter? Again, names that sound dirty. <laughs> uh, I actually know sure this that, one. What did you say? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's Martian Manhunter, right? Hey, yeah, it is. Because guess what? He was inexplicably in the Snyder Cut. So, (laughs) (laughs) out of nowhere, inexplicably recast a character from previous movies into a whole new role, which was surprising. But anyway, all right. So there, there's our trivia. Boy, was that humbling or what? (laughs) Very man. 
I, I can hear the screams of everybody from the distance going, how could you not know any of that stuff? Like, yeah. If yeah. if anybody out there is a big DC person knew all those answers, then we want you on the show and we'll continue the next page of this <laughs> and we'll see if we can, if you can get a hundred percent. Um, but, uh, all right, well, cool. Uh, so that's our, that's our little warm up um, for the night. Aren't we all glad it's over? <laughs> yes. Those are, those are horrible names. Those are horrible <laughs> names. Um, Again, and it's one of those points I guess we could, we'll get into at some point. It's, you know, DC, I mean, DC Comics, you're talking, uh, com- you know, they started in the 1910s, 1920s. I mean, comic book, you know, superhero comics started in 1927, I believe, with Superman. So there's a lot of stuff. They were just throwing stuff at the wall because they're like, Ah, nobody's ever gonna need to remember any of this. What was the starfish but, thing against Starro? Starro, Starro. Okay. Yeah, go look if you if you after this, you go look at the trailer for the Suicide Squad that uh, James Gunn is directing. There's a moment where it looks like a giant kaiju, like Godzilla's coming out of the ocean. It's this giant starfish just barreling through the city town. Well, city center. Speaking of trailers, um, a trailer dropped. Was it yesterday? Um, yes. it's the newest trailer for Loki. And so we are just going to go ahead and give that a watch. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit here, you know? All right. So let's just address the elephant in the room. How do we feel about Owen Wilson being in this? And did you know that Owen Wilson was going to be in this? I like it. Um, I generally enjoy him. Uh, so, um, it's been a minute since I've really seen him in anything. And uh, I don't know. I didn't find it distracting. You obviously um, don't frequent MTV or TNT when they're playing wedding crashers or, you know, um, <laughs> any other thing that he did with Vince Vaughn on repeat. But anyway, keep going. Well, I, you know, I think um, the thing with him is like, if they had tried to cast him in some kind of a role that were, overly familiar with it would have been an it might have been an odd fit or a harder harder sell um but he's you know basically this bureaucrat type so he can just put his own stamp on it in his own owen wilson-y way so i like it well i mean i do say you know and by the way i do enjoy him in the movies that i've seen him in but he's always the same character in all those movies you know what i mean and so it is so that was something that just hit me across the face. You know, Brittany and I were talking about first time we watched this trailer, we're like, whoa. And so it just kind of took us out of it for a second because it's like Owen Wilson, you know? Um, but uh, anyway, Fredo, what, what was your thought on that real quick? No, I like the trailer. Uh, no, I, I mean, just the, the Owen Wilson thing, the Owen Wilson. Yeah, thing. I was about to say on Owen Wilson. I think he's, he's one of those actors that does really well paired up with somebody else. Like his best movies, whether it's Wedding Crashers or Shanghai Noon or I'm trying to, or like Zoolander. Like he's really good at playing off on another actor, whether that's Vince Vaughn, you know, or Ben Stiller or whoever else. So pairing him with Tom Hiddleston as Loki, it might, it's going to create some interesting dynamics for the both of them. I think that's going to be interesting. And I think it's also, depending on how much they actually use him, he might be just mm-hmm. like a, you know, a sparing character. We, I mean, he features pretty prominent in the, in the trailer. Um, however, okay. So about the trailer in general, um, the thing that hit me real quick was, uh, the Sorcerer Supreme warned us about, uh, 
messing with where the uh, an Infinity Stone is. So when he swiped it and you know vanished in Endgame, then all the timelines skewed, mm-hmm. like what she warned Bruce Banner oh. about, you know. And uh, so I think that I think that's a really interesting and kind of cool tie. And of course, they also he's wearing a jumpsuit that says Variant. So we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I guess what the Loki from a Loki from a different timeline because the one that we know he's dead died right this was the Loki that picked up the Tesseract from uh, 2012 when uh, they all went back that the, you know, the Hulk took the stairs yeah. knocked uh, uh, Tony Stark out you know the Tesseract came to his feet he picked it up went away but the question that kind of brings up to my head is did he just immediately take it away and get sapped to where Owen Wilson is or did he go around messing with it and create further chaos? And then, you know, when you see that line of the various, you know, Back to the Future Part Two splintering timelines, you know, did he cause all that, you know, before they caught up to him? Because it's a, it would be in his nature to try to go back and rewrite stuff so he's winning, and then find that oh, it's not working. Fine, I'll take this, go someplace else, and try it again. So, Dave, beyond uh, my own Wilson question, just the trailer in general, did it make you more interested in this Loki series? I know you're already pretty geeked out about it, um, yeah. but did it, did it, you know, get you more excited about it? Or, you know, did it raise other questions? I'd say that, yeah, I, I kind of agree with what each of you said about it. Um, and I like, I just, I like the very idea of the show. Um because like of what you said with the the end game stuff it, it just seemed like i i think i don't remember if they had announced this show prior to end game coming out i don't think that they had because but when that moment occurred in the in the theater like i yelped because i knew what it meant they're not going to rescue loki uh, from the trash heap, so to speak, and resuscitate him as a character, and then not use him. Um, I knew they were going to pay that off, and uh, and so I'm really excited to see what they do with it here. To Fredo's point, you know, is he going to get to kind of run amok for a while, and now he has to undo some of the damage, so to speak? That could be a fun way to approach it. Mm-hmm. I just I think uh, I mean you're right. I don't think. To be fair, I don't think there was any announcement. I think the only thing post-Endgame that anybody knew was um, Spider-Man Far From Home. And then you know, it's not until the shows, the Disney Plus shows got announced that we kind of got the idea that it was coming. I like the concept. I like the idea of casting uh, uh, a character like Loki that people can both root for and root against because he's both lovable and hateable. Uh, it's a difficult... And it's once again, completely different dynamic from the one division dynamic, and it's completely different from Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it's showing this is Marvel kind of flexing its muscles and showing we can tell different stories with different characters, and you love watching all of them, even though they're completely different. Well, the funny thing is, is that, and I'm, I'm going to put this in quotes, but we we all know that there is an easy fix to this timeline and that's you have mm-hmm. to get the tesseract back to where you messed with it you know so that right. that moment in the lobby he's got to get it back there but 
Loki doesn't know about the whole time travel aspect that, uh, you know, the time heist stuff. And so, you know, does that, you know, are we going to maybe possibly even see, you know, other cameos from the Avengers? You know, somebody's going to say, well, here's what you need to do. This is what we did. You know, um, I don't know. That's, but it's like I said, there's, there's the quote unquote easy fix to this, but it's, so I don't know. They're going to be running around, like you said, back to the future too. Or are we going to be, you know, chasing down the sports almanac and, you know, and stuff like that. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, so like I said, the only thing that was jarring was Owen Wilson, just because he always sounds like Owen Wilson, but I mean, could, could be just fine. So. Um, well, it's interesting Dave, from the way this trailer presents it owen wilson's bringing loki along but not not everybody within his organization whatever it is is on board with it so that could create a uh, dynamic for conflict for loki and owen wilson where they're stick he's sticking his neck out saying no this version or this variant of loki can change and help me do this well it also stands to reason that with skewed timelines that there are other loki variants out mm-hmm. there which might would be an interesting moment if we start seeing all those friends you know who we haven't heard is involved in this is chris hemsworth and i wouldn't be surprised if he makes a cameo appearance at some point just because particularly if you're going back through loki's back steps at some point or another they should bump into one another and i wonder if it'll be past thor before ragnarok where they kind of had their reconciliation or if it's Post the end game Thor, where he's going to get embraced and hugged by his brothers, be like, What the heck is going on? So, yeah, well, at this point in the timeline that they were in, um, all of his family members are still alive, right? His mother is still alive, his father, Thor, um, <laughs> Hella, <laughs> Hella's still alive, um, <laughs> you know, so it, you know, there's a lot of potential for. Asgardian adventures there. We'll get more Asgardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and so that is uh coming June 11th, is that right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's uh not too far away around the corner. So uh yeah, all right. Well, uh so let us know what you thought about uh the Loki trailer if you're looking forward to Loki, whatnot. Um, but let's stick with the Marvel stuff. We haven't talked about, we're three episodes in and we have not talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier. So this is just three friends sitting around a table at a bar, you know, you know, a virtual bar, you know, how are you, how are you guys liking this series so far? Is it what, does it, is it what you were thinking it was going to be? Is there anything that has caught you by surprise? Um, uh, yeah. So just go ahead. Free form. What do you think? Well, I'll, I guess I'll start. Um, the big, my biggest takeaway so far uh, is that I can I will echo what I said about WandaVision, which is that I didn't expect them to necessarily take these themes as far as they have taken them to this point. And I mean, in particular, in this case, uh, racism in America. And, you know, this this show so far is like a brutal critique of where we are in this country right now. Um, And I think as well, it's kind of a fun tongue in cheek critique of the MCU 
and what they had done prior to this point. It's like you would look at it and interpret it that way as well, because like Cap is still on center stage. The white guys are all on center stage and they got, you know, the black sidekick. And it's like looking in a mirror now with new Cap. Um, and so I think with what what makes it as effective as it as it is, at least for me, is that a lot of people will watch that. Um, and not pick up on it. They'll watch like episode two and they'll see Falcon upset with the new cap and that scenario and that whole situation. And a lot of people's reaction to that might be, well, why is he upset? You know? Um, right. And, and I think like they're, they're kind of walking that fine line between beating you over the head with it um, and not taking it far enough. And so like for me right now, it's really working. Um, and I get, I think it's a story. That's a story that needed to be told. Um, and it was, they were never going to make a movie out of it. I don't think. And again, that's part of the critique. Oh, this character's not an A-lister. We can't make a whole movie about him. Oh, well, that's going to get into our Justice League commentary <laughs> here in a little bit. Um, um, but yeah, I it, I don't think they were going to do that. Um, and so this is as good as it's going to get. And so I want them to push some boundaries, and they've done that. You know, um, <clears throat> not as uh, deep as your um, analysis there, but one thing that struck me, first of all, Brittany and I are digging it, um, I think. Anthony Mackie is uh, right now he can do no wrong. I think he's just, he's just great on the screen. We need to take a screenshot of Dave right now. This is the perfect shot. Fredo. Is he frozen on <laughs> yours? Yes, he is. <laughs> so, but uh, Anthony Mackie, you know, from, you know, born bred in new Orleans. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's got to go on something. Um, but uh, he's doing a great job. But the thing that I, the, the whole plot of the, you know, the super serum, uh, it almost smacks of the Incredibles, where when, once everybody's super, then nobody is. Nobody is. You know, once everybody's special, then nobody's special. Um, and there is that. Um, well, and of course, it's also kind of interesting that you know how people, um, how people have reacted to the blip, and you know we got a little mm -hmm. bit of it in. Um, um, a little bit of in WandaVision, but in this one in particular, there's, you know, saying that, you know, things were, things were better for us, you know, so Thanos was right is what they're saying, you know, things were better mm -hmm. for us when there was less people. And then when they all came back our you know, we got shoved back down to, you know, second class citizens again. Um, so that's a really interesting take on this like i said dave you were you were in and out but i just said one of the interesting thing is is that how people are reacting to the blip that actually these shows are showing that you know there are people who agreed with thanos that or who benefited benefit well they i mean their their lives got it was better with half the population gone you know mm -hmm. and then when they came back they you know so it's really kind of interesting because thanos has always been that Thing. he's he's the bad guy but you know he's 
kind of got a little bit of a point. You know, you're always you always felt like you could it was actually a villain you could kind of understand, I suppose. You know, um if that sounds totally psycho, I apologize, but he it's just he's he's a complex villain. But anyway, that's what these people are, you know, saying is like life was better and you know, but like I said once you know, the super serum, like I said, if we can, you know, become super beings ourselves, then maybe our lot in life will become better because that's what people respect. Um, mm-hmm. So it is, there's a lot of complex stuff going on. But like I said, I'm, I'm totally digging Anthony Mackie. Um, and he and Sebastian Stan have a great chemistry on screen um, and digging that. So, yeah, so far, so far, so good. And always emphasis nest, you know. But Fredo, what do, what do you think so far? Yeah, no, I'm going to basically echo the majority of what you and Dave said. Um, I think one of the, the couple of things that kind of struck me, number one, I'm really liking that they've gone back to the idea of the super solar serum and the fact that, look, if you ever saw the Incredible Hulk, they wrapped that idea. The fact that Bruce Banner's gamma radiation accident, uh, Thunderbolt Ross tells us, no, he was supposed to be working on refining and perfecting the original super soldier serum again Cap- captain america so the idea that this has kind of been in the background that the u.s government didn't just let that idea that they knew had worked once die and have been testing it on people uh particularly the fact that they're testing on, on african-american soldiers and then taking you know taking his blood to use to further develop both you know the U.S. government, and then through him, Hydra to make other Winter Soldiers and whatnot. You know, it creates a it's a level of complexity that usually rarely comes into comic books and comic book properties. So I'm appreciative of that. I like the fact that, like I said, that they just that they're not making it a hey the blip went happened and everybody everything went back to normal. No, you know, in a real world setting, people disappearing you know half the pop, the population disappearing and then coming back would have massive repercussions and you know on a personal as well as a global level so it's good that they're acknowledging all of that uh and it's something that marvel had done before i mean the netflix shows daredevil and jessica jones and punisher all dealt with the immediate aftermath of avengers one particularly the first season of daredevil that was all about all of them getting those post uh the Battle of New York uh, construction uh, contracts. So that's so intriguing that they find a way to rope in the larger MCU, making it feel part of the of the movies without being in the movie. Uh, and I really like the last episode. <laughs> it's gonna be funny because I like Zemo, which you know Daniel Bruhl's a great actor, uh, but we had not seen much of him beyond Civil War. But here he kind of got the flex. He got to be. And you get the sense that he's being trying to be smarter than the two guys that are um, shepherding him, uh, that are watching him. But then, and then, of course, the cliffhanger at the last episode just kind of go like, "Yep, they they don't forget the writers in this show are not forgetting stuff that happened before him." So, first of all, I, I got to say to to Dave's point, it, it got me thinking. Now, you're absolutely, I'm seeing so many things. Well, first of all, the one thing that hit you over the head was, you know, the Tuskegee you know, um, comparison, like, like Fredo, you know, uh, brought up, but then also, you know, I remember, you know, Falcon saying, you know, Sam saying, you mean there was a, a 
black super soldier and you didn't tell me it was like it, it's it's kind of like uh you know 50s and 60s rock and roll it's like you know the beatles and elvis presley and all these white guys are you know stole rhythm and blues you know that they heard from african-american musicians and they're the ones getting all the acclaim you know and so it it, it is reminding us of you know how far we haven't come you're right um but the other thing I want to ask real quick to you guys. So the thing that everybody's flying around with their uh, their predictions of who the power broker is. Who do you think the power broker is just sitting right now? Can I dovetail off that that your last comment before we sure. touch on the power broker? Like the Can I stop you? The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I could. Fun. I could mute you. Know, you but you no. never have to. You never have to ask, Aaron. <laughs> you, you you can always dive in like that. Um, <laughs> Isaiah. Uh, that character, he just validates this the decision that Sam made. It's like I I can't in this country I cannot be Captain America as a black man, and I won't be accepted. And you know, by episode two, he's had that decision completely validated. And of course, Bucky doesn't see it. Because it's outside of his experience. Yeah, he's getting turned down at the bank for no good reason whatsoever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so like it's it's such a powerful critique in 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 that way. Um that, you know, it's like even like somebody who's like on your side, who should be your friend, you you fought alongside, doesn't see it, you know, doesn't get it, doesn't understand it. And um, I'm really going to be interested to see how they ultimately pay that off. But yeah, um, but yeah go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because you know, I mean, we've seen it from the trailers. Sam will end up with the shield at some point. So even if he doesn't quite absorb the full mantle of Captain America, he's going to have to come to some sort of peace within himself about some of it. At the same time, I do love when, you know, it was kind of interesting when they had the Trouble Man discussion in the last episode. And, uh, <laughs> and Steam was like, you know, to, it really captures the African American experience. And Sam's like, he's not a line, but he's right. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, that's not your place to say this, but you're not wrong. So, I, a lot of instances, I, I love the fact that they're willing to kind of go there with some of these discussion points. Because again, it's not really brought up in a comic book, in air quotes, uh, movie or TV show. Because ultimately, it's about big, strong super dudes and super girls punching one another. Well, but you know, even. Let's go back to our trivia game here. We we're talking about how awful these names were. I mean, let's just, yeah. let's face it. I mean, comic books they're they're trying to be inclusive, but they end up being really quite insensitive, a borderline racist, you know, in doing some of this stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it yeah, so so, for a while, every every black superhero had to be called the black something or other, right? You know, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. And they made that joke. In the series, they made that joke where the kid comes up to him and is like, "You're the Black Falcon." <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. No, I'm just, I'm just Falcon. No, or when he says, "What are you, the White Panther?" It's like, white <laughs> Wolf. Yeah, the White Wolf. Um, so anyway, right, so okay, so then who, huh. who, who's okay. your guess for who the power broker is? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, honestly, I don't know that we've met the character yet. 
I don't know. I don't they, know they, they tr- they're really trying to make it seem like it's Sharon. Sharon? Which, you know, might be a red herring. Yeah. Because it does explain, I mean, where did, why did she, couldn't she go home? You know, if they forgive, if they forgive Bucky, because being an unthinking assassin for generations, they could have forgiven Sharon Carter for stealing Cap Shield and Falcon's wings after five years of the blip. Yeah. You know, um, I, I kind of like the idea that I've been seeing spinning around that it's uh, maybe, um, uh, oh, crap. Now I just lost his name. Um, Zola. Oh, Armin Zola? Yeah. Yep. The, the, the computer dude? Yeah, <laughs> because appara- apparently in the comics, he, like, takes on robot form, robot AI, you know, form. So, you know, will we get, I mean, and you he was obviously involved in the super soldier serum, you know? Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. The, the Sharon Carter one, it's like, that's too, that seems to be too easy. You know, that they, you know, when she gets in the car and makes everybody think that she's a bad guy, you know? Um, but anyway, that, so I'm, I'm kind of in the Zola camp. I don't know, Dave, what do you, what do you think? Or have you been? Zola would be a lot of fun. Uh, another fun one would be, um, uh, Baron Strucker, uh, who's supposed to be dead, but you know that rarely stops you in a comic book movie. Um, it'd be fun if, like, all of a sudden, oh, he's not dead, and then you get to, you know, see what he's been up to for the last uh, several years. So uh, uh, that might be a fun one. Yeah, because much in the same way as Red Skywalker needed a big bad to bring our hero and our villain from the previous movies together to fight a common enemy. You get the sense that um, there's got to be a common enemy that everybody kind of unites to face off at the end. You know, that's Falcon, Winter Soldier, Zemo, John Walker, you know, all these other characters who are not seen at eye will have to either come together or, you know, together in order to defeat well, hey, okay. So first of all, I want to go back to as I, you know, as I think about this, it's like you know, maybe maybe Sharon Carter could be the the power broker because they're so deliberate in using the pronoun he when talking about the power broker, so that immediately throws you off the scent of Sharon. So that might be. But the other thing is that we're assuming that the power broker is a bad guy. I mean, you know. That, that that's that the, the power broker is the ultimate person that were the antagonist of this whole show and i really think it's emphasis nest and her crew that were you know that everybody's mm-hmm. going to be more concerned with and i think the power broker is probably tangentially i don't know maybe i'm missing something there no no and it could and it could, in some ways the power broker might end up being kind of like an underling or a henchman of another big baddie like think somebody like dr doom that kind of thing Mm-hmm. Or, or even somebody who works for Shuri, you know, or whoever, you know, well, that was is the, managing some stuff, you know, for Wakanda. It's and like, that was the cool thing at the end of this last episode. We're getting a, a Wakanda um, link in here. So, yeah, with Io. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, I, so- I I like Strucker, and I also like um, uh, Zola because of the uh, Hydra. Influence yeah. because there's just been a lot of Hydra talk, uh, even going back to WandaVision. It's just been, it's just been kind of bubbling up from under the surface. Hydra 
just keeps coming back up. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Well, all right. Well, switching universes from Marvel into DC. I still, my still, I still love, I, this was part of my, one of my Facebook memories. Uh, it was a meme that I shared a couple of years ago. It says Marvel quote, um, infinity war is the greatest crossover event in history. And then it shows Hanna-Barbera hold my beer and it shows Scooby-Doo with Batman and Robin, you know, arresting Joker. <laughs> so anyway, so we're going into DC. We're going, we're going to be talking about the justice league Snyder cut. We've all watched this. Um, so all four hours. Um, did, and so real, real quick, did you all do it in one piece or did you watch it a day at a time? We, we did it one all sitting. in one piece, one setting. One, one sitting. sitting. All right. Dave seems thrilled that he did it all one sitting. <laughs> uh, so I guess, uh, first of all, let's just get our quick, you know, just it, don't give your doctoral thesis because a lot of our thoughts and everything will come through the discussion here. But just, just your initial reactions to it. Um, I'm going to kick it off. And don't at me on Twitter on this one, but I'm sorry. I like the theatrical version better than this. Um, I thought... First of all, I, and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it, it was just a better movie that told a more coherent story. The Snyder Cut was everything thrown into a file drawer and it's, and it's like sifting through things and it's like, oh, this, okay, this makes sense, but you have to sift through a lot of papers to find that one paper that helps explain something in the other movie. Um, so um, the beginning was, to me, was slow um again there were things that really helped um i really appreciated understanding why the mother boxes were awoken um but overall i just it was kind of one of those things where it's just like and we'll talk about this you know our director's cuts you know better um just because everything's in there doesn't mean that it's a good movie and it it was there was a lot of good stuff in there but it was not a good movie that, that's just that's just my take on it so dave what's your initial reaction to it uh, yeah okay so i don't want us to go down too far a path of either bashing or praising it so i'm gonna agree. try to I go agree. like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to go kind of middle of the road with it because that, that is my honest reaction to it um i think it was too long um i just i had problems with that if you look at it as, as kind of like a mini series, um, you know, compare it to Falcon and Winter Soldier, for example, you know, if you, if you approach it from that sort of mentality, um, I think it works better. And I think to their credit, they, they kind of tried for that with all the different chapters. Um, they, they tried to come up with natural breakpoints um, so somebody could get up and use the restroom or whatever if they needed to. Hit pause. Um, now it's like the VHS tape <laughs> ran out. You have to put in the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tape two of Titanic is going in. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was a bit much, um, but I, I think for reasons we'll get into, I think it's definitely an improvement on the original. And can I, can I amend mine just a little bit there? Because I agree mm -hmm. with everything you said. And like I said, I want I, I came, I said, I thought the other one was better. Um, 
but there was good stuff in here. It's like, for example, I just want to throw this out there real quick. The whole cyborg element of it, it's like, that's all awesome, but that should be its own movie. You know, that should be its own movie. It should be, it's kind of like Marvel will give you little hints of stuff. And it's like, then in the Captain Marvel movie, you'll get all the stuff you want to know about Captain Marvel, you know? And that's the way I felt originally about Justice League. It's like, they gave me enough to know what was going on with Cyborg. And, but I knew it wasn't his story. It wasn't Batman's story. It wasn't Wonder Woman's story. It wasn't Aquaman's story. They gave you enough to just kind of whet your appetite. This one, it was like, like I said, I, I, so anyway, but like I said, there was a lot of good things in there that explained a lot. So I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy, but it's just like if they would have just made it into the separate movies, it would have been a whole lot better. I'm sorry, Dave, keep going. Well, I'm going to tell you one last thing off of that, and then we'll let Fredo talk. Um, I When uh, Batman versus Superman was released, it got a pretty negative reaction because it was a darker film, right? And a lot of people just reacted poorly to it. The critics didn't like it. Audiences didn't like it. It didn't make a billion dollars like it was supposed to. Um, and so eventually they, they created the director's cut for that movie. And I, at the time, before that director's cut was released and then in the immediate aftermath, so many people said, oh, it's so much better now. It's so much better now. And it's like, well, he added 40 minutes to an already really long movie, you know? And it was it was kind of a preview of what we just got in that way. Um, and I, I couldn't sit there in good conscience and say, I didn't, like, I'm going to subject myself to another 40 minutes of a movie that I didn't like to begin with. And, and in this case... I thought it was such an interesting thought experiment that it's like, well, I have to watch this because it's just like, this doesn't happen where the director gets free reign. And I think that is an interesting point to bring up before we let Fredo give his, you know, you know, this, this is not, this is like if the Beatles released a song and then they broke up and the song that, Paul McCartney put together was against what John Lennon thought it should, you know, so you essentially you have two different songs, you know, it's so you can't really say that one is better than the other because they are just totally different interpretations of, you know, the, the notes, the lyric, you know, it's, you know, so, um, I, I I think that's an important thing to bring up here is that this is not like, you know, um, Lord of the Rings where it's like, all right, we could only release, you know, two and a half hours in the theater. Well, now we'll give you all the stuff we left on the cutting room floor so you can watch it for 10 hours of your life, you know, whatever. Um, so that, that, that's kind of an interesting thing. So Fredo, what was your take on justice league? Uh, so, I mean, initially, uh, I think it's more coherent and I think in some ways that's to its benefit. I also agree with Dave in regards to uh, length. There is a point where a movie stops being a movie and starts being a mini series. You know, when you know when you're t- even if you're telling one coherent beginning, middle, and end, you can do so over many episodes. And I wonder if this would have been better served not just simply 
going back with it. We'll give you two more hours. It's a six-hour event. You'll get an hour an episode, uh, an hour every week. And you get to see the Snyder Cut in the fullest, biggest, whatever option, whatever that you want. Obviously, that's not what they wanted. They want, you know, Zack Snyder wanted this. He wanted to make a movie. Um, we have to remember, though, back when all of this was planned, the original plan for Justice League was two movies. So this was supposed to be not be one, but part one and part two. After the failures of uh, Batman v Superman, DC and Warner Brothers executive panic said, okay, fine, we're just giving you one movie. And that's when Joss Whedon came in. That's when they brought in Jeff Johns and Peter and, uh, and John Burke to uh, manage Zack Snyder and stuff kind of, you know, devolved from there. As an exercise, and I think agree with Dave also that it's an interesting exercise. I do struggle to think who is the audience for this beyond people who are already fans of this. Like, I totally get it. if you're fans of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, this is the, the Justice League that will go up next to those. You can just take out the one that you saw in 2017, throw it out, it never happened. But at the same time, it's also an interesting just dynamic because all of this stuff, a lot of the stuff, the length of this thing, a lot of it's to set up stuff that will never happen. You know, <laughs> no, Martian Manhunter will never happen. Uh, a Green Lantern movie from The Ring Left Behind will never happen. The Nightmare movie with Batman holding a gun and fighting super, evil Superman will never happen. Even though there's people out there thinking, oh, maybe this will be the kickstart of that. And, you know, Warner Bros. will do a Snyderverse and then the DC. It's like, they're not going to throw more money at this. I think this was an opportunity that presented itself thanks to the pandemic, thanks to the need for HBO to have content and the opportunity to placate the fan base that they're screaming for. So, um, I, so I'm just going to lead into this next one because I, mm-hmm. I, all right. I don't, I, I, I really, ha- I struggle with understanding people <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like, the things the things that I've heard is like you know um, you know the, again you talk about the the Snyderverse and it's supposed to be dark and it's supposed to be serious and it's supposed to be this that and the other. it's like and they they were upset by some of the you know more lighter and funnier ver- you know, things that happened within the original Justice League which that I I really liked that element of it and I it was totally missing from this cut every thing that made me chuckle for a split second in justice league was gone. So I was just kind of in this, you know, and that was jarring to me. So why do they want that? And probably you will find the same group of people who will think that Thor Ragnarok was the greatest thing ever created in the Marvel universe because it was so funny and it was Taika Waititi and it was lighthearted and it was this, you know, uh, so I, I, and I get, I know it's Marvel versus DC, but you know, it's, I, I don't, so let me just get into this question then what was wrong. And maybe this is today first, cause he said he didn't like it. Um, and that's cool. You know, not everybody, not everybody's going to like the movie. I like justice league. What was wrong with justice league? Why did people have such a problem with it that they were clamoring for the Snyder cut? The biggest thing was that it was compromised and everybody knew that. Um, they didn't guess, really stand behind it. I guess maybe that's the, maybe that's why I liked it because I did not know it was compromised. 
I just knew Justice I mean, League movie was out. All right, cool. So, you know, that wasn't on my radar. I wasn't, you know, l- reading up on that like I do Star Wars. So I'm sorry, I'll let you keep going, Dave. But that's an interesting well, what, point. What I will add to what I was saying is that Rise of Skywalker, right? We've talked about that movie a lot. Um, And one of the first things I said about that movie when it came out, after it came out, was like, they tried to shove too much in there. It's like, why didn't you make this into two movies? It doesn't have to be episode one through nine. It could be episode one through ten. And I think a lot of that came about because of this idea of making compromises. And like, well, okay, we are rushed. And we we are trying to fit a bunch of stuff in there. We were trying to wrap up the the, the saga. And like, the original cut of the Justice League was very similar in those respects it was like we're going to we're going to completely slice out huge chunks of character development and story development uh because we don't have time for it and so like we talked about the pacing of rise of skywalker right the beginning where it's just like da 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 you jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing the original cut of the justice league was very similar in that way and i think it kind of belies even if you didn't know and like Aaron, you said you didn't know the the backstory about what happened and the director change and all the stuff, the drama. Um, even if you didn't know those things, I think like the cut of the movie, the pacing of the movie, the fact that um, there were sacrifices in terms of story and character, it all sort of points to this being the case. And that's, and, and and that's so what I said. Yeah. That, I'm sorry. That's what I said. That there are things in the Snyder Cut that made Brittany and I go, "Oh, that makes a lot more sense now." Oh, that right. makes a lot more sense now. However, I will take issue with that. I don't think that the huge character arcs are necessary in the Justice League movie. That mm-hmm. I think that that like I, I go back to the cyborg part of it, and you know that. That is a story to be told, but not within the contents of the Justice League movie that I think they could have maybe they could have done a better job of, you know, laying the breadcrumbs. So it wasn't as, you know, con- you know, convoluted in the original cut. But, you know, um, you know, the same thing goes for Aquaman. Same thing goes in a for roundabout Aquaman. in a roundabout way. I agree with that. But like I take it a different direction. Um, when I watched that movie for the very first time, that was my biggest critique was that like, well, there's no development for Cyborg. And it's like, you're saying the same thing. There was no development for Cyborg. It's because they never created that development elsewhere. Um, And so they just sort of removed it. (laughs) I would rather it have occurred elsewhere. Well, but but okay. So hold on. Hold on. So remind me, um, Captain Marvel came out after Endgame, correct? No, came out before Endgame, after Infinity War. Remember, you got the teaser so, at the so, end. Of so, War. so, well, so Marvel is better at lining these things up. Okay, but I no, mean, what happens is, what happens is, and I'll just—it's a difference of how you want to carve up, you know, carve up this uh, pizza. Marvel's model is we introduce our characters in their own story. So you get to know them, you get the backstory, you get to like them. And then when we bring the big team up movie, we don't need to reintroduce you to them. You know who they are. DC's model was 
we're going to be building up to the big team up movie. You know, we'll give you a Superman movie. We'll give you a Superman versus Batman. And by the way, here's Wonder Woman. And hey, we hinted at the other guys. And Justice League went into his Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash. And then depending on who people gravitate towards, that's who's getting the movie. So Cyborg was supposed to get a movie. Aquaman got a movie. The Flash is going to get a movie. But that was the idea. The idea is use Justice League as the jumping off well, point, I, I, not the come together point. And I tell you, okay, so this is this is dumb Aaron here, but I'm going to tell you that, mm-hmm. you know, when I first watched Justice League, I knew enough I, I wasn't I wasn't thrown off by Cyborg's you know lack of story arc. It was enough. I was introduced to Cyborg for the first time because I was not a big comic book you know. So I was like, mm-hmm. I, I but I I knew enough from what they were giving me. Okay, I can kind of put these pieces together loosely. And he he's you know and it starts. So I I did not feel cheated, but maybe it's because right. no, I, of I. It's kind of one of the things that they tell us in you know in technical writing. They said, um, remember that you're cursed with knowledge mm-hmm. and that, you know, because you know the product so well and you want to tell everything about that product that sometimes you have to, you know, y- you have to force yourself to make some edits and some changes because, you know, the overall part, the overall article is not about the, the entire mm-hmm. product. It's about this right. one portion of it. And so, um, so like I said, as I, I did not have, the, and I'm not saying Dave's, you know, your reaction is wrong or your reaction is invalid. It's just interesting to me that we're coming from two different places and we have two different reactions to justice league. You, you felt you like, like I said, you were hornswoggled and I didn't. Um, so I just, I just find that interesting. I'm just going to keep on talking. Cause Fredo really say, wants to say yeah. something. I keep yeah, hearing yeah, exactly, his vocal changes. Yeah, no, actually, I was just going to say that, uh, what I found most int- most difficult with the release of Justice League was how jarring the back and forth was because they were it's a Frankenstein movie by which I mean you can totally tell that there's some Joss Whedon sensibilities in the quippy dialogue the jokes which are all gone now and uh, Zack Snyder you know very Wagnerian larger than life the end of the world is coming kind of thing that's dour and dark and feels you're all grim, dark, dark, you know, darkness that's grim and grimness that's dark. And that going back and forth didn't quite work for me as well. That said, I do think, like like I said at the beginning, if you take the Justice League movie that we got in 2017 and this, they're basically the same thing. It's not, it's not that it's a different movie. What's different is, it's not like it's cake and this is sushi they're both cake it's just this was vanilla and this is vanilla with a different frosting i will, I will tell you the okay. thing that i that i totally appreciated was the mm-hmm. addition of dark side because that made mm-hmm. steppenwolf make a whole a lot more sense um that whole so i i appreciated that um, the thing I didn't really understand though is uh, well the thing I uh, maybe I don't understand it's uh, that I find interesting is that take your Frankenstein comment here. They knew it was going to be a Frankenstein movie. So why not spend your time in maybe cleaning up some of that instead of changing the look of cyborg and Steppenwolf and, you know, you know what I mean? They, 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 
they, they, they spent, spent so they spent money, money and time spent money and time on changing some of these things that uh, really is that did that really go against your vision that steppenwolf didn't quite look like what you it's, i don't know it suffers from the same problem that rise of skywalker suffered they had a date release date locked in they wanted to get it over the over the finish line and they already spent so much money in it and spent so much more money marketing afterwards they just went and said we need to get something out there and this is where you know recognizing some of those behind the scenes struggles and fights kind of helps understand why we got what we got you're right in a smart world a warner brothers executive or president says we cannot release this this way but remember they released it with the infamous Henry Cavill mustache CGI. They released it with Steppenwolf looking like he did. They released it with stuff not making some sort of sense, but they knew that they, they just needed to get it out. They just wanted to get, to get it on the TV screens, out on the release date and just be done. And, and you know what the difficulty is looking back on what Snyder put out, even if I'm not necessarily its biggest fan, I can kind of almost, I can respect it because at least I go, well, at least he had an idea where he was going. And it wasn't just, let's get this sucker out the door. It's no, we're going out with a purpose. I, I will tell you that, I mean, like I said, Britt and I were the, the, the one moment that made us both go, what was hearing Joker talk about a reach around. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> hello kids. <laughs> okay. That's, that is Zack <laughs> um, Snyder's but, humor. So, I, I I do want to ask this though, because um, I I you know, we we've seen fan edits of movies and we've talked about you know like the YouTube channels of um, how it should have ended and stuff like that and I think this is a very interesting thing about art now because of what computers can do and and you know and how it's how everybody has access to these tools now so they can take their movie and like the guy who took the phantom menace and took out all the jar jar bink stuff is is this good from an art standpoint is this you know uh you know let let me take you all back to you know da vinci is you know painting the mona lisa and somebody you know hundred years later says, ah, here, let me take it. And they take it off the wall and they fix it for you, you know, because that's, that's what is going on now. It could, you know, you could also argue it's my interpretation of the art, which is fine, but it, mm-hmm. but, but like I said, is this, is this good? You know, we can even talk about George Lucas taking his own movie and tweaking it, you know, or is it should, should, you put it out there and that's what it is and let it be what it is. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I have an initial response for you, but I think you're hinting at something a little bit deeper and I want to, I want to add to that as well. assuming a lot that I'm just hinting at something deeper, but anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, well, he's hinting at a Martian Manhunter. Exactly. Sorry. That, that (laughs) threw me. That was, yeah. Yeah. me too. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead, Dave. Um, firstly, uh, to answer your question, I'm I'm okay with it within the context that we just saw. Um, Zack Snyder had a creative vision for his movie, and for reasons 
that that most people are familiar with. Again, like I think a lot of people that are listening to this probably aware of this story. They lost their daughter to suicide um, during the making of this movie. Uh, Zach and his wife. Um, they were getting a lot of studio pressure to release a certain version of the movie, and eventually they just stopped fighting. They said, "Fine, we're stepping out of this for a while." Um, and so the studio then, you know, turned it over to Whedon and we got what we got. But I think like to answer your question in that for, you know, in a very literal way, I think I'm great with this happening because he is the person with the vision. He is the person that had an idea and he wanted to see it through. And they came back to him with $70 million and said, okay, let's do this thing. Um, and you get to release your version of the movie. We get to drive subscribers to HBO. Uh, you know, everybody wins. So from that perspective, I'm very happy that it occurred. But to kind of get to like what you're, what you're hinting at, um, Fredo shared this article with us today. We were going back and forth sharing articles and sort of prepping for the show. And it was from a Vanity Fair um, and it was a preview of the of the Snyder Cut. And I loved this uh, quote from a clinical psychologist who they interviewed, which was, um, what I have observed is an endearing false, enduring false sense of ownership from fans, which can manifest as abuse, threats, and strong, intense reactions when a story doesn't go their way. Boy, we haven't talked about that before, have we? <laughs> They're shouting. You know? <laughs> well, there was this whole online campaign, release the Snyder Cut, right? This is right. part of the story. Um, to continue her quote, they're shouting and people are listening to them. Even if it's negative comments, they're getting positive reinforcement to continue down that path. And if she didn't just nail every fan base that's currently out there, and I actually like had to take a step back from it, and it's like, am I too harsh on with Star Wars? Am I, you know, am, am I? Because um, every now and then we'll get into a passionate debate on this show, and you know, the tensions will will build. But um, I, I think it's tempting for people again the ownership of art. It's tempting for people to think, say, "This is mine." It's like, "This is my thing. This is my Star Wars. This is my uh, Snyderverse." Well, that is. I'm, I'm, I know what you're going. I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, but it's my thing. You know, it's. <laughs> You're, you're, that it's what I've always struggled with is when you write a song, create a painting, whatever art it is, when you create that and you and you put it out there, who does that art belong to at that point? You know what I mean? Right. It's like now, well, it's it's not like I'm giving you, it's kind of like sharing a Google Doc, you know, you know, it's it's, I, I think. I'm giving you access to this art, you know, but I'm only giving you viewer access to it. You know, I'm not giving you, you know, I don't, I'm not giving you comment access. I'm not giving you edit access to be sure. You know, that's why we have the copyright law. You can't just go and change star Wars and release it, you know, and make money on it and take out 
Jar Jar Binks without getting your butt sued. You know, but however, I mean, in music, it happens all the time where people are doing covers of songs, you know, and but every time I hear a cover of a song, it makes me excited and apprehensive at the same time. It's like, are you really saying that you can do Rocket Man better than Elton John? You know, that that's that's kind of what. You know, now if you cover a song, you might just be covering the song because you love the song and that's cool. But when you're putting it on a CD and, you know, making money and you pay for the rights to do that, there is a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm saying that I have a better vision for Rocket Man than Elton John. I, you know, and in this case, in this particular case, Zack Snyder had every right you're, you're right to have that you're opinion. Right. And this, right? is a, this is a very special case. This is a very special yeah. case. I get it. But, you know, but however, the part of it is like, who owns this Justice League vision? Is it Warner Brothers or is it Zack Snyder or is it Joss Whedon? You know what I mean? It's like, who ultimately, you know, it's if, again, if we want to use music history as an example, it's like, you know, Handel wrote, for patrons, right? Mozart wrote for patrons. They, I want you to write music for my boat party. So here's water music. You know, I want you to write music for my fireworks party. All right. Here's music for the Royal fireworks. You know, now Handel's name is on it and he, you know, it's his forever, but you know, ultimately his patron paid for it. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, 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 it's something yeah. I struggle this, with. It's something I struggle with. It's like, who owns yeah. the art at that point? I mean, like, in this instance, the owner ultimately is Warner Brothers. They footed the bill. They hired the artist. Zack Snyder can say he owns the vision. And the winner in all this. the art ultimately falls to Warner Brothers. The winner in this all is, a, is the, the ultimate winner is Warner Brothers because they made mm-hmm. a gazillion dollars, you know, on Justice League. You know, yeah, it didn't make as much as they like, but then they made yeah, money. They on, actually lost money. Well, they, they you know, there's a lot of people who bought DVDs and stuff like that too. I mean, they're not hurting. Um, they were about 136 in the black. I mean, I'm sorry, in the red after everything was settled down because uh, precisely because of the negative reaction that people had to Batman v Superman, which didn't make as much money than Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman was kind of a big success, but they were, by the time Justice League got out, it was like everybody was just abandoning ship on the DC extended universe, which so I stand, correct. goes, I stand corrected. Uh, no, no, no. But, it, but it goes to show the idea of when you, when you are uh, a studio like Warner brothers, and you hire an artist, you're doing it because you want that artist to connect with an audience. Whatever you think of Sex Snyder's vision, Sex Snyder found an audience. May not have been to the levels that Warner Brothers wanted, but he found an audience, and that's the audience that kept fighting for the Snyder Cut after Justice League got out. Now, why aren't people clamoring for the Kevin Smith version of Superman that he was hired to write and he wrote, and then it was, no, we're going to give it to... um, you know, uh, Tim, Burton. Uh, Tim Burton, and he's like, no, I want my own writer. And so he wrote his own version, and we almost got the Nicolas Cage, you know, version. Thank God we didn't. You know you know what I mean? It's like people kind of mm-hmm. pick their battles here. But, you know, to to the point, though, you know, Dave, you're absolutely right. This is, this is a totally different situation. This is like, you know, Zack Snyder had begun work on it. It's kind of like he started building the house, had most of the house built, 
and then had to walk away from the project. And this is why yeah, I'm, this is why I'm so excited that it happened. Like I, even though like the final product for me wasn't like meh, and you that, know, and I, that's my thing, right? Is that the the, the final movie was not? I, I wish they would have paid him another ten million dollars so they could have, you know. It, it seems like they just kind of chucked all the ingredients in there in the order they shot it. And it was just a kind of a, a draggy movie. So I'm sorry. No, I think, and going. I think, and I think that was part of, part of his, from what the Vanity Fair article states, Zack Snyder had a rough cut, meaning he had all the scenes he wanted in the movies uh, filmed and put together. They were still finishing up. They didn't have a full screen. They had a score, but it wasn't finished. They had some special effects. They weren't finished. They didn't have full edit. So, he had a rough cut of what he wanted, which is what he took home when he left the project for good on the laptop, um, which is what he brought back. But paying him more, I think he made it clear to Warner Bros. Warner Bros. Because he didn't get paid for anything for making the Snyder Cut. He said flat out, what I want is 100% control. You will not tell me to make one edit. You will not tell me to make one uh, addition. I will shoot what I want. I'll shoot the way I want it. I'll put it out there. You'll be happy. But that's what I want. I will also say this. The Snyder Cut explained Batman v Superman a hell of a lot better as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's it's like I sat there going, oh, wow. OK, that makes sense now. You know, mm-hmm. why is the Flash visiting, you know, um, Bruce is Wayne in, oh, in, sure. in a dream? You know, and and what is this dream that Bruce Wayne is having? What's this all about? It's like all a mess. So th- this helped explain all that junk as well um, mm-hmm. no and uh, and i think in some ways the the biggest uh in an interesting way batman ends up being the biggest loser to put it that way of the snyder cut because he was a far more active participant in the 2017 justice league the theatrical version and this one the more the movie goes forward the less of a role he takes uh which is an interesting I mean, like in the final battle, the dude's outside just shooting random parademons. He's not even involved in the active uh, battle to stop uh, uh, Steppenwolf. I do, I will say, I did like uh, the Denouement with uh, the Flash. I, I found that a lot better in this one than Justice League 2017. Dave, you want to say? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um... I also do think it's important that we bring up that Joss Whedon is problematic and was problematic <laughs> on set. Um, uh, yeah. Women and actors of color uh, both had issues with him. Um, and what was really interesting for me is like there was a breakdown of like shot by shot of the, the scenes involving women in the two versions <laughs> and the new version is miles better, both in terms of representing women, uh, in terms of screen time, but also in how they're represented. You know, no no butt shots and all that sort of nonsense. You know, it was um, much more tastefully done. Um, and by all accounts, Snyder is a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that colors your thinking too, at least for me. I like, okay, well, like this is a decent individual doing his best to do right by uh, underrepresented groups. Um, And the final product does 
justice <clears throat> by them. And so I like that about the new the new version as well. I think that's another we've talked about this on the podcast before. I again you know, we're cursed with knowledge. Um because yep. we 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 learn about the problem, you know, how Joss Whedon is problematic. We learn about how well back in the day you know, people would go see Buddy Rich and his band play. And it's like, they would see him smiling. They would see this awesome drummer and this just ripping band. It was awesome. And they did not know, unless you were in the band or knew somebody in the band, did not know how big of an a-hole Buddy Rich was. We now know because those stories have been passed down, but you did not know that he would fire bass players nightly, that there was a tape somebody made of him you know, firing and a bass player on a bus and setting him out on a, you know, deserted road in Iowa in the middle of the night because he didn't like what he did at a gig, you know? So I think that's interesting that, you know, that we, those things, you know, it, it should those things, you know, do they get in the way? Should they get in the way? You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's 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 that it's that whole that whole you know it's kind of the Bill Cosby thing you know it's like can I still laugh at his dentist routine knowing you know what he did later in life um, and that's uh, and that, I don't know there's not really an answer to that that's just something we all have to struggle with you know well, and, and I think in the, I think in this case which in, what's interesting is that kind of specific breakdown which is like <laughs> let's look at it shot by shot you know. Oh, okay. Here are um, yeah, Diana's people being presented in a very negative way. They still, and had, again, they still it, had Gal Gadot in leather, tight leather pants walking to meet, you know, um, Cyborg, Cyborg and, and well, shooting her from behind. I mean, so I mean, it's. Come on. I mean, it's. It, let's let's not let's let's not make it out to be like you know they're all wearing habits and everything was you know, okie doke. I mean. What? Okay, well, I mean, again, to be fair, though, it, one vision was clearly better than the other. Maybe neither is perfect, and I'm not arguing that, but one vision did a much better job. Again, you can look at it shot by shot, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have the ability to look at the work because the work affects people. You know, little girls will go see these movies. Yeah, no, I, like, I totally, I totally agree. Oh, yeah, everybody, all the women are sexualized. What's going on with that? I don't get it. You know, and it's like, it's almost subliminal unless you're looking for it, and it can affect people in a really profound way. And again, I, I don't want to get into you know modern liberal super sensitive people thing, you know, because it's just like. Yeah, I get it. At some point, we we overanalyze and overanalyze and get to a point where it's like it's not helpful anymore. But I think in something like this, you can see those differences. And when you can see them, I think it's fair to point it out. And like, yeah, if the guy's a, a turd, <laughs> if Bill Cosby's a turd, but his comedy's still good. There's the title of this podcast. If Bill yeah. Cos yeah. Bill Cosby's a turd, that's the yeah. 
Well, you know, but, you know, but that, no, but that know, is, but that kind is of a, a different thing. That is, is a I'm struggle. Saying. We've, yeah. you know, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about this before. It's like, and so, and maybe it is that again, that's maybe that's why I didn't have as much of a reaction to the original justice leagues because I was blissfully ignorant, you know, and I, I put that mm-hmm. in kind of italics and quotes and everything. I'm not saying that, you know, you know, I, I, sh- maybe I should have been more informed as to what was going on with this, but it's like, um, I, I like the original justice league movie and it, you know, you know, it did not objectify anybody any more than any other movie that I had seen, you know, but you're right. We Brit and I noticed that where it was, and we were looking for that, you know, to see how did they portray these things. And so, um, but, Can I challenge you on that right quick, Aaron? Oh, sure. You don't need to know. I mean, let me just say, you should need to know that. Not necessarily you don't have to. You should need to know that. Ultimately, the movie or the comedy album or the music album or whatever, the piece of art has to live on its own because the creator will die at some point, will pass away. And the only thing that will be left is the art. I mean... Nobody has stories right now about Leonardo da Vinci, whether he was a good guy. I mean, maybe there's some stories about him, but most of us only know the Mona Lisa. Most of us only know Sistine Chapel, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, Tchaikovsky, was he a nice guy? Was he a total tool? We don't know. Everybody knows the 18th and Overture because it's been featured in so many cartoons. So I I think in some, and in some ways, kind of funnily to bring it back to Star Wars, I think Star Wars, a New Hope, 1977, is the birthplace for a lot of this uh, hunger to know more, to know as much about possible about the creators and the artists and the makers of our properties. And now, thanks to the internet, thanks to media, thanks to the need for people to tell themselves, we know way more than we necessarily have to know that we ever thought we should need to know. It's Like I said, if it's something that you want to know more of, well, fine, but ultimately, your you know your relationship between you and the, and the art is what matters. Well, I, but I I do think that it gives you a a, a larger picture of mm-hmm. you know a, a greater understanding. If you know more about the composer, you know more about the director. Right. I you know so you see what they're bringing into things. So I do think that is important. I don't think you should have to do your research before you go see a movie. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but. Um, however, it is kind of like, you know, what, uh, the, the original, uh, Jefferson in Hamilton, he's, he had a great quote there interviewing me. He said, you know what? He's like, you know, yeah, Thomas Jefferson, you know, wrote these wonderful documents, you know, wrote the declaration of independence, had these great things, but he also sucked, you know, he, he owned slaves and he, you know, he, he, like I said, he wrote these great things, but he sucked and you know what? He can be both. You know, it's yeah. like, and that was a kind of a, that was a really, that took, again, took Brittany and I by, I was like, wow, that is, that is a great lesson to learn because it's like right now it's like either all of Bill Cosby stuff is bad or you're a horrible human being for listening to Bill Cosby. And it's like, you know, no, I think that I can still say, you know, or like I said, Buddy Rich, man, he's a great drummer, but what an a-hole he was. <laughs> Those two Aaron, things can t- stand, you know, by, by yeah. themselves. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. You, you can take it a step further. Like, the art itself can be both things. It can be valuable and 
entertaining and interesting and still be problematic. And I, I'll give you an example yeah. right now. Uh, Quentin Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude loves to drop the N-word, like to an obsessive degree. Like you're seeing an N-word here and there. Mm-hmm. And, and again, does that mean that he himself is a racist? I don't know that. Does it does it affect the work if he were to take it out? Probably in a positive way, but he he insists on putting it in there. And so I go in, when I watch something like Pulp Fiction, I love Pulp Fiction. I think it's an amazing film, but I still have to hear about dead inward storage, uh, you know, and it's like, did that have to be in there? No, it really didn't have to be in there, you know? And I uh, I just recently wrote about uh, Punch-Out on my blog, the, the old NES game. It's a great game. Everybody should play that game. It's fabulous. But there's some stereotypes. Oh, you think? Yeah, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> you know, and I love it. I love it when I love that... it when Piston Honda is saying... You know, Toyota, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's like, man, it is, it's, it's awful. A, but yeah, it's a, a lot great of game. our art, a lot of our art is like that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we, it's an interesting question. Do you, do we need to censor it? Do we need to change it? Because you were circling back to the giving the artist free reign to make changes to his work after the fact. And I think, I think for me personally, I still like to experience whatever it was in its original form, because that's how I originally experienced it. And it captures a moment. It, it, it like so. the racism in this country is not like solved by any mm. mean, but like 1993 racism is probably um, a little different than today's. You know, yeah. in you some just, respects, you just said something that just, uh, just triggered something. It, you know, I think it'd be really, it's really, again, I go back to that whole, you know, patron idea that, you know, so the king hires Handel to write for his, you know, boat party. You know, Warner Brothers hired a direct, you know, writer and director to make this movie. And so if they decide, midway through okay we're gonna go over here um so it would be interesting if in those cases if there was somebody wanted to pony up the money and go to for example you know for example let's uh um let's take uh, oh god who is the director that was originally supposed to do episode nine Help uh, me out. Colin Trevor yeah Colin Trevor find him and say hey dude we got a pile of cash for you make the star wars movie you wanted to make you know, you, you, know what, is, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like there. Yeah. Warner Brothers is a patron for this, you know, movie, but there can be a patron for I know copyright law gets into, you know, right. problem here. But, you know, it is um, that they are. They're being hired to to do a gig. And so that's why, you know, I, I understand you know, Zack Snyder being upset that what was released was not his vision, but, you know, for horrible circumstances, you weren't able to, you know, put out your vision. So, you know, 
the, I mean, you know, I, I, that's why that's that's why this that's one thing that kind of sat irky with me with this situation was that, you know, it's, you know, I I, I don't know. It was kind of like that's uh, that's. I guess what I'm I, and what I don't. I'm trying not to sound like an insensitive jerk here because it was awful circumstances that took him away from this mm-hmm. movie, but it's it's kind of like you know. Well, for, I had to hand over all my work to other writers for, you know, two weeks while I went and dealt with, you know, my dad's funeral. And it was, and so I come back and it's like, well, that's not the article I would have written. So I don't get to spend Google's money by rewriting all these articles. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's kind of, mm-hmm. that's just one, that's just, the, that's the one thing that sat irky with me was that, you know, but then on the other hand, I guess I can't feel bad for Joss Whedon because he made a whole lot of money to make this movie, whether or not Warner Brothers made money on it or not. So, uh, right, but. and I, but I think it's well, you know, because this isn't the first time that a work has been taken from a director, from a creator, and finished without their blessing. I mean, even just in movies. I mean, there's famous cases of the likes of Blade Runner and Dune. And uh, Kingdom of Heaven, in Port Ridley Scott has a bad track record with that, where, uh, you know, eventually he ends up having to release director Scott that better get to his vision and what he wanted to do. And what's interesting, sometimes seeing the vision of what he planned, you go like, wow, that makes so much sense. I mean, Blade Runner's uh, director's version is a much better film than the theatrical one, just flat out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people who saw Blade Runner in theaters in 1982 you know, that that's the value. I think the difficulty whenever you get to say, I mean, because, yeah, ideally in a perfect world, Zack Snyder would have been able to finish it the way he wanted back in 2017. And do you think it would have been been any more successful? I mean, let's let's just let's just get out. Let's let's just get out the crystal ball um, Mm -hmm. and look objectively. And so do you do you think it would have been any more successful? I, I think it would have. I think it would have done about the same. I think it would have done because realistically, so why, why, do you think that? Putting, why do you think that? Well, two things. First of all, Warner Bros. had said flat out, we are putting out a two hour movie. There's no way they're putting out a four hour movie. So a lot of the stuff that we like, whether it's the, the increased character moments for Cyborg, for Flash, for Aquaman, some of that stuff would have ended on the cutting room floor, regardless of what Zack Snyder wanted to do. So that would have been an issue. But I also think in 2017, this version of the DC movie universe had kind of burnt itself out. People were ready. You know, they just come off Wonder Woman being colorful and light really, and uplifting. And Dave's Dave's nodding. So I want to I'm, I'm gonna throw this over to Dave. Yeah. That's really interesting to say, given to the guys who had me watch a gazillion movies this summer from the same universe of comic books. That that we're saying that DC, who had a, a handful of movies, had like mm-hmm. worn out its welcome. But by God, let's let's have no. You Dave gets to speak to this. But by God, you know it's like all the Marvel, all the Marvel stuff is okay. You know, I'm I'm just kind of being agitator right now. But Dave, you were nodding. Why do you agree with that? Why do you think DC had worn out its welcome? I think the the point that Fredo was making was the tone. I mean, they they had created these dark, grim movies, and audiences weren't responding. And but and, then and then and then like you said, Wonder Woman comes out, and you're like, "Wow, where'd that come from? This is great." 
this optimistic and and bright and it, it speaks to like finding then, the best in people and then we get justice league that has some jokes that make me laugh and then we get the director's cut that just takes out every funny thing out of the movie but anyway keep going well but like the point being like not so much you know is it humorous but is it does it speak to the human condition in a positive way and i think sure. like that's something that snyder's cut does a much better job of and you know it like this is slightly off topic, but I did want to make this point. I think like it's really, really meta that this is a movie about second chances mm-hmm. because this is what Snyder got. He got a second chance to make this movie and like all the way across the board, it's about these people trying to right wrongs or sure. come back from the dead in some cases uh, to you know make right and um i love that about it again it's not a perfect movie it, uh, you know it's I, I can't imagine sitting down and watching it again unless like at some point it's just like on the tv um <laughs> but you know what i mean like i'm gonna it's devote good, four it's hours gonna be on again. tnt for the entire day <laughs> yeah between that yeah. and the Batman v Superman director's got to be all uh, 24 yeah. hours. But at the time, to back to the original point, I think at the time, it, it again, he wouldn't have been able to release this film. And and so, like, it wouldn't, it, it would have been a little bit different than Joss's. It would have probably been more depressing, but it would have been about similar length, choppy as heck, uh, problematic and a lot of the ways that the original cut was. I will, in closing, I will say this. If anybody, if you haven't watched Justice League on a Friday night or Saturday night, if you're not going to church on Sunday, here is the Justice League Snyder Cut drinking game. Every time they use slow motion, you take a drink. The Huda Jedi podcast will not be responsible for alcohol poisoning, (laughs) passing out, Potentially making out with somebody you shouldn't have or other mistakes made by drinking that much. Because, oh my good Lord, does Jack, does Zack Snyder like his slow motion? Mm-hmm. See, I, I, this is where I go regarding his, Snyder getting full freedom to make this. You are getting the full Zack Snyder. Because if you ever see 300 or Watchmen, he is slow-mo guy. He is composition shots that look like something out of a, an art piece or a music video. It's it, This is him going, I am making this the most Zack Snyder movie ever. And by the way, if you ever, you have to go diving into Leslie Jones's Twitter feed because she live tweeted watching um, the Snyder Cut and when it, oh, got to the, when it got to the epilogue, she was like, what in the F is this? <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> weren't so, we all oh my gosh yeah um yeah, no i thought this was a really good discussion i mean um so yeah uh, we probably didn't discuss a lot of a lot of the uh, nuts and bolts of the movie but that's but that's all right you should just watch it yeah i mean if it, it is and the, the the other thing that i you know we're also when i say we're cursed with knowledge it's also we're cursed with having seen the first justice league you know again it'd be really interesting to have like a controlled study, you know, where you could have, 
you know, one person watched the original and one person of similar tastes and things like that, whatever, you know, watch the, the Snyder cut and just to see what their reactions are. Cause you know, I know watching this movie, I was constantly comparing it to the first one and trying to figure out what had changed. And, you know, instead of just, and so maybe my, my comments are all tainted because it was looking through, I was looking through a different glass, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. So no, and and I, th- and I think I mean there is no and this is kind of I guess what I'll end with this there is no right or wrong choice. You art speaks to you, art speaks to you. If it's something that connects with you, just on a I liked it at a level. There's many people who buy into Sex Snyder's sensibilities, and I'm glad for them that they have this. There's many people who don't like Sex Snyder's sensibilities. There's another version of this that exists that they can enjoy. Well, I think I think uh, I think that's a very uh-huh. good point because that's something I always heard loved is that value is not the same as liking, mm-hmm. and that I think there's a lot of value to this cut. It's okay right. if Lucy barks. Um, I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of I think there's a lot of value to this this cut, and just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that it is not worth watching that there aren't good things in it it just it was it was not i like the other one better i like pepperoni better than hamburger whatever it might be you know it's still you know um so uh there i mean there's a hell of a lot of interesting stuff in it but like i said value is not the same as liking so if you that's what i always i can't stand it when people say that was a horrible movie i didn't like it it's like well you didn't like it doesn't mean it's a horrible movie dave I think if uh, you value the medium, you know, or you value filmmakers and creative visions and things of that nature, it's like, oh, yeah, I really like this stuff. It's like you kind of owe it to yourself and to the filmmaker in this case to actually just sit down and bite the bullet and put the four hours in and watch the silly thing. Because it's like it's not – Again, it's, I don't think it's going to be life-changing for everyone. There's going to be a lot of people who just don't like it and don't get it. But um, I think it's important. And I think, like, again, we just for what it says, I, I have to support this kind of creative project personally because I, I, I support it. Like, like, my opinion is that more of this should occur. So by extension, I have to go and watch it and, you know, give them my time and my attention. So I was just going to say, it's always difficult and kind of sad when a director or creator doesn't get to have their vision put out there. I mean, there is no guarantee. There's no mandate that it should happen, but it's always better when it does because that way, look, if it succeeds or it fails, it finds out unless it doesn't, it doesn't have its own merit. There's never that fear of, well, I could have done more. And, you know, George Lucas always says, if you put out a movie unfinished, because you got to put out a movie at some point, you can't just simply keep editing and recutting and refilming, trying to perfect it. Because Unless that first the- movie makes you billions of dollars that you can then keep re-editing and re <laughs> and release and, re- and redoing a new thing every time a new movie format is released and you can sell it to people you're right but by and large i mean most most creators get one shot at it and then if you're lucky and they get another one let's let's be honest that um 
most movies, I mean, Star Wars is, um, and the original trilogy, I will say, um, is the total unicorn because George Lucas didn't have a committee making that movie. Most do, most movies made today, I mean, yeah, the director and the writers have a vision, but it goes through a lot of stakeholders. And there's a mm-hmm. lot, I mean, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. And so you're not seeing, you know, put director's name here, you know, vision of the movie that you liked. It was all those people that are in the credits at the end that we all skipped through. You know what I mean? Um, I thought this was a good discussion. This is kind of interesting. Um, uh, so, you know, um, but so thank you guys for your, for your thoughts and, uh, and putting up with me being antagonistic. I blame the Jameson. So, uh, <laughs> but it makes for a good discussion. So, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, yeah. Uh, if you, if you liked what you listened to, tell your friends that they can find us, you know, where they find podcasts and things like that. Um, and, uh, and, and you can bug us online. Um, and, uh, you know, on, on Twitter and on Facebook, stuff like that. Like I said, we like to be, um, deviated from our jobs every now and again to talk um, nerdy stuff like this. Um, and uh, until then, we will say who dat? Who dat? And uh, everybody have a great week and uh, go get your damn shot. We'll just say it then. My monkey. <laughs>